0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. this morning, as the smell of gunpowder from fireworks is still lingering in the air, we declare, we proclaim the good news to you, that you are free from the idol of independence. It's not on you to either follow or fight against your desires on your own. Jesus is inviting you to bring your desires to him so that he can teach you how to really live. Just to be clear what we're talking about, independent is defined as free from outside control, not depending on another's authority, not depending on another for livelihood or subsistence. This is an idea that's very familiar to all of us. We had a lot of people celebrating their freedoms last night on our street and all around our neighborhood until about 2 or 2.30 in the morning. That's when I finally went to sleep. At one point in time, I went out on the porch around 1 or 1.30, just in my shorts, just kind of looking for somebody to yell at. (laughs) All in the name of freedom. Following our desires is a bit of an American speciality. In fact, it's it's really almost un-American not to follow our desires. We have names for this, right? The American dream, where if you are laser focused on what you want and you're willing to work hard for it, you can achieve that. That is not even a questioned ideal of who we are as a people. That's just an assumed characteristic of what it means to be an American. If you want to dress it up a bit, maybe, you could call it manifest destiny from a couple of hundred years ago, where we came to a country and said, we want, to, we want this land, so we're going to take this land because we want it, so we must have it. That must be our God-given right to take it from you, or... We want cheap labor, and we we don't really value you. So we're going to take your lives from you, and you're going to be our slaves. This is part of who we are as Americans. This is in our DNA. We have to know what we want so that we can get what we want, and we don't even question it. We still see this show up in the church sometimes in prosperity gospels, right? It's the same good news that's proclaimed in the prosperity gospel, right? The American dream is there for the taking. If you know what you want and you know how to get it, you can get it. The only thing that's different is Jesus has become the formula for getting what you want in the prosperity gospel. Now, sometimes instead of following our desires, we'll have a reaction to that as Christians, especially, where we don't have an imagination for what to do, but we just fight against it, right? This may be familiar to some of you. Do you want that thing? Oh, it must be sinful to have it. Maybe you should just donate the money to the poor. It's not good for you to have good things. Does this feel good? It must be a sin. At its best, this is a reaction to realizing that we can't just baptize our desires. At its worst, this has been used to oppress and condemn those who are different from us. When it comes to our desires, these are often our best options that we can come up with. We can either fight against them and resist them at all costs, or we can baptize them and follow them as if they'll guide us to true happiness. A couple of things that we need to know about desire before we get into our text for today. We've learned in the last couple of decades through postmodern thought that our desires aren't even necessarily our own. It's something that we're formed and shaped into by the context of the culture around us. Here's an example. Advertisers spent about five and a half million dollars for a 30-second opportunity to shape your desires in the Super Bowl this past year. That's how valuable it is for 30 seconds to try to shape you and write your desire script for you. Now, another thing that we see about desire is is kind of illuminated in the Romans text where Paul's writing. He says, uh, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. And what I don't want to do, I do. I want to follow Jesus, but it's pretty clear that not all of me wants to. Parts of me are covertly rebelling. The desire to do good is inside of me, but I can't do it. I don't have the strength to do it. Towards the end, he says, I've tried everything and I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with my desire. So what is it that you are wanting today, church? What is your desire? Do you want a new job? Do you want a new car? Is it a new house? A new life for yourself? Do you want people just to wear their darn masks? (laughs) Maybe you want people just to stop trying to get you to wear your darn mask. (laughs) Do you just want to go to sleep and check out until the pandemic is over? What is it that you want today? Now, what do you normally do with your wants when they reveal themselves? Do you find yourself fighting against them? Or do you find yourself following their lead? Today we proclaim the good news that you are free from the idol of independence. It's not on you to either follow or fight your desires on your own. Jesus is inviting you to bring your desires to him so he can teach you how to really live. I want to say three things about this. First, Jesus is inviting us into participation with him. In verses 16 through 19 of our gospel text today, Jesus starts off saying, What can I compare this generation to? It's like a child who says, we played the flute for you, but you didn't dance. We sang a funeral song for you, but you didn't mourn. Desire is fully on display here. Notice the rhythm. We did X for you, but you didn't Y. So there's something that they're wanting, and they're trying to figure out the right formula to get it. Jesus says, John came fasting, and you called him crazy. I came feasting, and now you're calling me crazy. I think what Jesus is saying here is you don't even really know what you want. He concludes with saying, wisdom is proved right by her works. The message version says it like this. It says, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste the good life. He's saying, you don't know what you want, but come get a taste of the good life. Now, this is like if you've only ever had a cheeseburger from McDonald's and you don't really know how to rate this, right? Like on a scale of 1 to 10, if it's the only burger you've had, you might think that's like a 7 or an 8, maybe even a 10, right? <laughs> you think it's pretty good. You don't you don't know that there's better stuff out there. But Jesus is saying there's a better burger than the McDouble. Let me buy you a smash burger at Trattgeries. <laughs> Number 2. D- Jesus stands with the lowly, not the lofty. Picking back up in verse 25. Sorry. Picking back up in verse 25, he says, you've hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have shown them to babies. Jesus here, he's inviting us into the life of the Trinity, but he's showing us how we enter into it. We enter as sons and daughters of God. We enter as members of the family of God, not through triangulation. We don't have to figure out how to appease a distant deity or make him happy or the right formula for achieving the American dream. We enter as sons and daughters of the kingdom. Back to last week's sermon when Father Matt preached, we enter through dependence, not through decadence. In a bit, we get to celebrate this together as we respond to the good news by baptizing Philo. The kingdom of God isn't the home of the brave. It's the home of babies. Three, following Jesus isn't an escape from reality. It's a recovery of reality. In verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me, and you will find real rest. Jesus is teaching us how to be real humans. He's the true human one that's come to show us what we were created for, what human life is all about. Being a Christian, it doesn't mean that we are going to float through life unscathed by hardships. We'll never experience sickness or pain. We'll never be lonely or confused or experience doubt. It doesn't mean that we're the ones with the best strategy to get what we want. We've got a leg up on the competition. We can achieve the American dream because we've got Jesus. Nor does it mean that we can just simply endure the pain of life only because we have some distant hope of experiencing some semblance of joy and goodness in the age to come. Jesus is teaching us how to really live right now, how to work how to grieve, how to be a good neighbor, and how to fight against injustice. This is good news for today. It's not just an idea that we can put on a bumper sticker, but he's inviting us into a different way of living it out today on July 5th. Today, we proclaim the good news that you are free from the idol of independence. It's not on you to either follow or fight your desires on your own. Jesus is inviting you to bring your desires to him so that he can teach you how to really live. Today, church— Jesus is asking you to bring your desire to him. Before you judge whether what's in your heart is good or what's bad, just trust Jesus with what's in your heart. The end of our Romans passage says, Who will deliver me? The answer, thank God, is Jesus Christ. He can and he does. This is good news, but it doesn't feel overtly practical sometimes. I think sometimes it feels far off and distant from the particularities of everyday life. So here are a few ways that we can respond to and participate in this good news today. I mentioned one already. We're going to be baptizing Philo here in a moment. And that's one of the ways that we celebrate this posture of dependence in entering the kingdom of heaven. Philo can't baptize himself. He can't make a personal sal- uh, salvation decision and come down to an altar call. But we are enter the kingdom as babies. Another way that we can participate in this life that Jesus is inviting us into is practiced out in our DNA groups. At its core, DNA is just a space where we practice bringing our desires to Jesus and discerning what he wants us to know about them. Here's an example. If you're not in DNA, if that still feels a little bit far off for you, here's a very practical thing that you can do today if you want to participate in this good news. Today, when you feel impatience or irritation at your children or anger with your parents or sadness about the pandemic or the state of the world, Instead of responding and reacting right away, instead of doing something with that or fighting against it, pause, sit for a moment and ask Jesus what he wants you to know about that. Simply ask Jesus, what's going on with this? Trust Jesus with what's in your heart. Trusting Jesus is the first step in letting him transform your heart. I think the bad news that's at work throughout this illustrates Some of the core bad news that is at play in pseudo-Christianity, where we think that the gospel is just a means to modify our behavior. That the best we can hope for is to learn a set of rules that we can try really, really hard to follow, but our lives maybe won't feel fulfilled. That doesn't really sound like that good of news. It doesn't sound like it's too good to be true news. But the good news in all this is that if you bring your heart to Jesus, he is faithful to be present with you and to transform those desires. You don't have to reject them outright you don't have to fight for them outright you don't have to be the judge that says it's a good desire or a bad desire you can simply humbly come to jesus and bring that desire with you a practical example to tell the truth about myself is yesterday morning my family got up it's saturday we got up and uh, we wanted to go and take a look at one of our properties that we have because we need to get it fixed up and ready for somebody to move into it. And so as a family, this is what we do to relax. We just go and work on things. Um, <laughs> so we went over there and we were there for like two and a half hours, which was fine. I mean, it was okay. And then after that, Mouse said something about needing to grab some stuff from Lowe's. At that point in the day, I'm feeling still pretty good. Like I've still got the bandwidth to be patient and go along with this. Uh, Although the count in the back of my brain is counting down the hours until the Arsenal match kicks off. So I do have an agenda of things that I want to do, right? Where what everybody else wants is maybe going to start conflicting with what I want to do. So we go to Lowe's and I think it's about 150 degrees. We're inside, which is fine, you know, nice air conditioning and we're walking around as a family. I mean... One of the kids has to go to the bathroom while we're there. It's all the normal things that you have as a family of four on a Saturday. Uh, And then Mal says, well, while we're here, maybe I should go out into the garden section, which is, I don't know if you guys know, it's outside in the 150 degree heat. So she says, let's just go and check if they have these trees, not like a couple of potted plants, but trees she wants to buy. And I'm like, "Uh, all right, like maybe she doesn't know what time it is, or maybe she doesn't know it's 150 degrees outside, but I just, I don't say anything. I follow her out there. And we go out there and she finds these trees that are like, I'm telling you, they're 95% dead. They're just totally withered and brown. And there's no way that you can transplant that into our yard and it'll still live. And she's like, look, they're normally 50 bucks and they're $10, like we should get four of these. And I was thinking, how are we gonna get these from here to our house? And are you talking about doing this right now? Because I thought we are gonna be done with this at some point today. Like I thought, you know, maybe we would stop working. Although this is just my internal monologue I didn't say any of this out loud. I'm a not expressive guy, except for when it comes to irritation and contempt. And so this wave of contempt just washed over my face. And uh, Mallory, she left and I'm holding the kids, sweating outside, 150 degrees, remember. And all of a sudden, you know, after, first of all, I have no idea where she's at because she's gone for an inexplicably long time. And all of a sudden she comes around the corner and she's wheeling this flatbed cart, you know, the type that they have at Lowe's and she's coming straight for me. And she, you know, she just looks like she's in her happy place. And at this point I just can't, you know, I don't, I still don't say anything, but I can't hide it anymore. I, I am just super irritated. I got to get out of here. The arsenal match has already kicked off at this point. I want to go watch some soccer and relax. It is the 4th of July. After all, I should get to do what I want to do. And so she comes up and she says, are you mad at me? And I say, yeah, yeah, and I just walk off with the kids. <laughs> now, I think that my imagination for dealing with this about five years ago, maybe less than that, would just be to totally baptize my desire and how I'm feeling at that moment and say, clearly, Mallory's being selfish. She's not thinking anything about me or anything like that. I'm right. She's wrong. It's way too hot to be out here. This is ridiculous. And so then just to justify myself and being angry with her. And then I, I think Another way that I would try to react to that is to be like, man, I am such a jerk. Like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I just be the guy that just does whatever she wants to do? And I don't care that it's hot outside, and I just love working. Uh, what is wrong with me? What I just would should all over myself, and and try to calibrate shame in a proper mechanism to get me to behave more properly. But instead, what I did yesterday was nothing, <laughs> which feels very counterintuitive. But I just sat with it when we got back to the house and said, what is going on with me? Jesus, what is happening inside my heart that I feel this resentment and irritation right now? And very quickly, it just occurred to me that I didn't get a lot of sleep the night before and that I didn't name my desires or plan for the day. And so it ended up being a super practical thing, although. I don't think I normally would get to that unless I brought that to Jesus, because I'm so used to just baptizing my wants or my desires. I wonder if you have have some kind of reckoning with that in your own heart, something that draws up for you. Today, we proclaim the good news that you are free from the idol of independence. It's not on you to either follow or fight against your desires on your own. Jesus is inviting you to bring your desires to him so he can teach you how to really live. I want to conclude by reading the last couple of verses of this passage from the message version. It's actually one of my my favorite passages of scripture. Jesus says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.